Hey guys, welcome to the podcast Bridged. I'm your host, Daryl Porter, and I look forward to working with you in attempts to bridge the gap between K-12 education and industry. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast Bridge. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 12 of the Bridged Podcast. We are attempting to bridge the gap between K-12 education and industry. And so tonight, today, whenever you are listening, I am super excited to expose this guest to you. I'm super excited to expose how we met. He's actually become a very, very good friend of mine. Within the past couple of weeks, we uh, have connected and I'm excited to kind of expose how we, you know, started this this connection, and um, re- really, you know, a lot of it has to do with what I've spoken about earlier in earlier podcasts. That Men in Education Facebook group. Um, we I've had lots of connections. I'm, I'm I'm very excited about this connection. This connection is is, is very special to me. Dr. Jeff Springer has been in education for 34 years and is the founder of the Goal Team, getting others to achieve higher levels. And this team was created for helping high school students and young adults to maximize their potential and, uh, I'm sorry, maximize their personal leadership potential. Once again, as you heard, he was the 2013 State of Texas TASSP State Principal of the Year. He was a national champion in 1977. So this guy absolutely breeds success. He breeds leadership. And you are going to want to get to know Dr. Jeff Springer. Dr. Springer, thank you so much for being on. Oh man, I'm excited. Did you really have to say 1977? Come on, man. man. <laughs> Come on. Hey, no, really. I I have been uh again, and you can relate to this as a former coach. You know, you 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 know, game day, you know, you wait all day, you wake up on game day and you're ready for kickoff and it's still you know, 12, 14 hours away. And so with great anticipation, knowing that we were going to do this tonight, um, record um, this episode together. I mean, I was just, I had great anticipation, uh, you know, game day. I was ready to get on the field, come out of that tunnel. And so, uh, Daryl, I'm ex- I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again for, for joining. And so, so I want to tell the listeners a little bit about how we connected. Like I said earlier, we we've met in the men in education, Facebook uh, group. And, you know, I noticed when I was just a, a, a wee little baby in that group, uh, an infant in that group, I, I noticed that you had a ministry and I was very interested in the ministry. I'd love for you to expose that. Um, and then, you know, we just kept liking each other's posts. And so we, you know, this is kind of how these social media, uh, the, these social media relationships grow and, and, and you actually reached out and said, man, we got to figure out how to, to get beyond liking each other's posts and maybe making a comment on each other's post. And so I'm appreciative that you did that because it did form, uh, this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That it, it's amazing that a net, a network or a platform, um, you know, a lot of people talk about the negativity of social media and so forth, and it can be, but in this case, 
uh, in this past year where men and uh, educators and uh, just people in general have been so disconnected because of this pandemic. It's, it's been kind of like a lifeline. And um, it's, it's crazy when, you know, you have a group of 800 people in a, in a Facebook page or a group uh, specifically designed for men in ed, you still, it still, still gets narrowed down to a handful of guys that through a pattern of, you know, posts and comments and you kind of get the feel of who these guys are and you go, uh, like I did with you, I said, man, I mean, we, we, uh, we, we just got to connect. We just got to do this. And so I had listened to your podcasts and then um, after we had decided that we were going to connect and zoom and, and visit uh, that first time, um, I listened to you know your podcast with with Marty, who I had also connected, and so I felt like listening to you guys talk was like two friends that I've known for a long time. And the only frustrating part about that podcast was is I couldn't uh, participate in it. <laughs> so I, all I could yeah. all I had to do is I all I could do is listen. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, good news is, um, you know, later on, we, we, we get to expose a little bit of your participation along with Marty. And I know we're going to yeah. kind of tease that out a little bit, but, but I'm, I'm excited about that. Hey, Doc, I want, I want our listeners to get to know you. You are extremely interesting. You are extremely accomplished. You are extremely successful. And I want you to tell our listeners who you are, brag about yourself a little bit. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, just, just, just who is Dr. Jeff Springer? Mm, wow. Um, gosh, well, I tell people right now that in this, in this new part of my journey that I'm a repurposed, uh, principal, uh, you know, that I did, I was not, I am so, uh, anti, the other R word, you know, I don't even, I don't even want, I had to do that to get my pension. <laughs> I had, I had to go to the TRS, you know, uh, Texas retirement system. I even have a hard time. So I, so I, I, so I, I went, I left one thing that I was completely passionate about and, um, and moved into something else that I'm, uh, equally um, as as passionate about, uh, or as my wife would say, multiple. Uh, you know, I have three part time jobs. I told somebody the other day, or I asked somebody the other day, does three part time jobs equal one full time, or <laughs> one and a half? My wife would tell you it's you know it's one and a half. She thinks I'm busier now than I was when I was a high school principal, but of course then I was bivocational as well. So. Right. Um, so I am a, on staff part-time as the minister of men at a Methodist church in Magnolia, Texas. I, and I've been there for 15 years, which overlapped my, um, you know, a large part of my principalship because I was at the high school, my last, I was there, you know, overall 34 years, but my last 14 uh, at the same high school, the Magnolia High School. And then, um, so when I left on June 10th, and I remember that date because I actually, I actually, in my first day at school was June 10th, 2002. 
And my last day at school was t- June 10th, 2016. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so I grew up at Magnolia high school. It's almost like a teenager, you know, 14 yeah. years, you know, I was, I mean, I was 43. I mean, I was, you know, older than you are still, but that's still fairly young. So I spent my yeah. whole forties practically. And uh, until I was 57, until I became out an old man. And then, then, um, but I still had so much to do. And so I, so I, I literally, as I was saying, I walked out of one building and into another, a church building, another ministry, one ministry to the next. Uh, and then I, but, and I also, <laughs> since 2008, um, so really not bivocational, really trivocational. I was, I founded a nonprofit called Suit Up Ministries. And again, it's a, it's a men's ministry with, but the, with the very narrow focus of encourage men to be the dad. I mean, that's, that is the total, you know, the vision is equipping men for victory and the mission is to, you know, um, you know, to, exhort men to be the men, uh, the dads that God has called them to be. So, so those are really the, and and then I'm a Sam Houston state university supervisor for student teachers. So my three part-time jobs are Sam Houston, Wildwood and my nonprofit right now. And then on top of that, I kind of dabble in, uh, in educational consulting and, and I just can't leave it. I just can't, I keep, I keep saying, you know, I left, I left the building, you know, he left the building. He almost yeah. left the building, but I cannot stop coming back. I mean, I just have one foot in, one foot out. Um, you know, I just, I still have, still have that passion. I can't turn my back completely it, on it. And, and why should you? I know we've had conversations before of, you know, society or whatever history tells you that you should do this. So if you, whenever you're repurposed uh, or the other R word, you need to completely leave that behind. You need to go pursue or rest, go to the, you know, go to the beach, go to the golf course, whatever. Um, and, and you break the mold on a lot of that. You, you not only, you know, found a way to re-identify yourself by repurposing um, but you found a way to do it in multiple different areas, touching multiple different lives. Tell us a little more about um, just the time that you had your 14 years as a high school principal. That's a long time to be a high school principal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, I know nobody can see you, um, and I know that you're repurposed. But you know, Doctor Doctor Springer by by no means looks where he's got luscious locks of hair. He's fit. He's, you know, it, it, it's just, he, he, he definitely takes care of himself. He cares about what it, you know, the, what he puts in his body He cares about the, you know, how he takes care of his body he cares about the, the people he surrounds himself with. So, so all around just, you know, very, very well, very well taken care of. But tell us, tell us about your time at the Magnolia High School of 14 years. What were some of your successes? What were some things that you would mentor other principals uh, on during that time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Daryl, all I, once I, once my career path changed from, you know, the coaching to and teaching to administration uh, it's similar. It, it parallels the coaching thing. You know, when I was, I started off my first three years in junior high 
uh, a junior high teacher and a coach. And of course, when you're a junior high teacher and, a co- and I went back to the same district that, that raised me, I graduated from Cypher High School. And so I went to the Cypher district. I was in that district for 19 years, uh, you know, beyond the years I was in high school there. So, um, so that when I came back home, I opened a brand new junior high, was lucky to be the, I, co- I coached eighth grade football and, and, and uh, physical education and health and, um, all, you know, at that point, all you want to be is, a young, you know, you think you want to just, you can't, you can't, you got to climb that ladder, man. You got to climb. So the second year I became the campus coordinator and then, and I was that for two years. And then I got an opportunity to move up to the feeder high school, Langham Creek high school. And then you're the freshman coach. And then all you want to be is, you know, the, the head JV coach or, and then really beyond that, you want to be a varsity assistant, you know, you just, you know, and then you want to be a head coach. And so then I had, so I had this fever, you know, to be a head coach and I got to be a head coach, got to be a head coach, got to be a head coach. And finally I got an opportunity to be a head coach. And you know, there are two types of coaches, don't you? Yep. I know exactly the ones that have been fired and ones that will get fired. Yeah. Hired and, you know, hired and fired. Well, I didn't exactly get fired, but I was at a small school, which I won't name, but I, 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 uh, it was, it honestly, it was the hardest year of my career at that point. And it, but it was the best year because I learned more about myself and I learned more about people. And if it wasn't for that terrifically awful experience, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't have right. at the time I did not, it took me two years, Daryl, to get over it. It took, because all I wanted to be was a head football coach and a, and a athletic director in a small town and live happily ever after, you know, raise my kids in a small town environment in Texas. And, but you know, that doesn't all, happily ever after doesn't always happen in Texas right. because you've got to win too. And so right. we didn't do very much of that in a short year. Plus I, plus I was also the assistant principal. That's how small the school was. So I was oh, the wow. head coach slash assistant principal. But what that did, Daryl, is it gave me the opportunity to get a taste of that administration. So, so because, so they took away my coaching they knew that I would probably leave. And I did. And I went back to Cypher and as an assistant principal at Cy Falls High School for three years. It was a brand new building. And then uh, got an opportunity to be the associate principal for five years at Jersey Village High School. And then I got my then then again, cycle repeats. Got to be the principal. Got to be the principal. Got to be the principal. Finally, you know, finally got my opportunity, had to leave the district. Uh, which is, you know, a whole nother story. You know, I know, I know you're the exception to the rule, but there's a lot of young guys that think they're going to get the job, the first job they interview for. And yeah. that doesn't happen. It typically does not happen. I mean, right. it's just, you have to be in the right place at the, the right time, you know, and to get a, a principalship and, or a head football coach position in the state of Texas is not, it's not easy. And, right. you know, you might be the final two, but only one man gets the job. And so I think that's a hard lesson for some young people aspiring, you know, on a side note, I would just say if there's any aspiring leaders out there that want to be a principal one day or whatever your aspiration is, just know that when you interview for a position, you may not, you may really be interviewing for the next one, you know, or, you know, so, you know, because districts going to look at how you react to not getting the job, especially big districts. They're going to, because there's so much competition and that doesn't, it doesn't mean you're not qualified, but long story short, end up at Magnolia high school. And that's a whole nother episode 
a, a whole, you know, before we get there, but to fast forward, um, you know, 14 years, I, I, I thought at some point they were going to have to carry me out of that building. I mean, I, I loved all I wanted to be was a high school principal at a 5A high school, at a big school. I, or, you know, the biggest classification and, and mainly because I'm always been big school guy, other than my experience at, at that one tiny high school when I'm in my coaching, I've always been big district. I've never had a problem with big schools. Big, to, in my opinion, big schools offer, uh, you know, you have big school problems, but you also have big school pro- programs. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, lots of opportunity, yeah. lots of availability yeah. for as many students that, that are there. And where I was, it was real, it was a big school, but in a small town. So it was like the best. So I kind of got the best of both worlds because we were the single high school. Then we opened up Magnolia West and that became interesting because, you know, all of a sudden we were in a community that was only used to one school and that was split. Um, and, and, um, and you know how that goes with intense robberies and so forth. But, um, you know, 14 years, um, it took it took us about six to seven years to really turn the barge, you know, I mean, to really move it. Essentially, after you can imagine, after fourteen years, I I practically hired every single person in that school. It was almost like opening a building, but it was a you know a slow process. And um, you know, the things I'm most proud of um, are you know obviously the relationships with the kids. You know, I don't I don't know if you can see my wall back here. But those that's oh, yeah. wedding wall. And those are some kid those are some of my graduates. I only do weddings for former students. Matter of fact, I have one coming up May 7th, and both the bride and the groom are former students of mine. That's great. So I do about six to eight of those a year. And um, I mean that's like the that's like the 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 eternal gift. You know, that's the that's the priceless. You know, some people say, What well, education, you guys don't get paid anything. Well, we don't really. I mean, administration, not bad, let's face it. But uh, as a teacher or educator in general, we don't get paid, you know, compared to our friends in corporate world and so forth and professional sports and all those other, uh, those that have those types of accolades. But we'll, what we get are things that are eternal and priceless. And, um, you know, it, it just, it's, it's just, you can't even, you it wouldn't trade it for the world. And, you know, yeah. so in my 14 years, I was able to not, was able to give my, both my daughter and my son their diploma. You know, um, I was, I, I, they, one or, one or both of them was in my school for six, you know, for a total of six years, you know, it was two, there were two year difference. So I had, I had, had, a, had them for a couple. So I, I had a real withdrawal when they left, but, the, but we were so, um, you know, our school was, you know, big enough that we didn't run it. It wasn't like we ran into each other all the time and so forth, but, um, but in 2016, I, you know, I, I started thinking about some of the other things I was passionate about. And, um, you know, Daryl, sometimes no matter how good you are, uh, that doesn't mean you can't be good somewhere else, yeah. but, but sometimes it's just time, you know, and, and I never, ever entered a year saying this was the year. I never, I, I, but somewhere down, somewhere about mid year that in 2015, I, I started thinking about some other things and had some other opportunities that didn't pan out. But what it did do is it got me to thinking about what else was out there, you know? And the last thing I ever wanted anybody to do was to tap on my shoulder and say, Jeff, 
we really appreciate what you've done for us, but it's time for, I wanted to, leave, I wanted to leave on my, my term. So I think I told my superintendent I was leaving. It was like, I, it was like, I, I mean, I caught I really did. I was really left on my, on my terms. In the last couple of years, I would have conversations with my superintendent and I would say, um, now you be honest with me. If, if, if it's if it's time to move me because you need something I mean, again, you can become you can still be effective, but maybe it's time maybe that every once in a while that things need sh- you know a shakeup. And I didn't want I didn't want to be surprised if there was a shakeup. Right. And they were always no 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 no. You know, I was never I never felt like I was like that somebody's going to knock on my door, and I was very confident. And obviously, you know, fourteen years you got your you have your community with you and all that kind of stuff. And it was a sad day when I announced and so forth. And um, it was a sad day when I walked out, but I could have never walked out, Daryl, never if I wasn't walking in to something else. And I guess, I think, you know, you have, you know, my only question for you would be is where do you, where do you go from here? You know, it's kind of like when you leave the principalship so early, what are you going to do the rest of your life? I mean, yeah. so, you know, at my point in my time, you know, I was 43 and um, not that I was ancient, but at 57, it's uh, still young, young. I mean, I could have gone, you know, most of my, my colleagues that are my age or they go 38, 40, you know, they, they have another, at least another four or five years in them before they start thinking about retiring. And, um, and I thought, well, I got to get ready for a decade of excellence. And you know, I was getting ready for my roaring sixties, you know? And yeah. so I started my doctorate at age 57. Hey. I got my doctorate. I def- I defended my doctorate on the day that everything shut down last year, March 11th. That I'll never forget that for two reasons. The NBA shut down, mm-hmm. the NCAA shut down, the Houston livestock show and rodeo shut down. And I was doing my dissertation defense, you know, as I will never forget. So at age 61, I became Dr. Springer. So I lived, I lived almost 61 years as either coach or, or mister. But that, that just goes to show that, okay, two things. Number one, so the, and, and there's two sides to this. One, the the work ethic that you have, because getting a doctorate is not easy. It's no easy test. They don't just hand those jokers out. I mean, you've got to work for it. And it's more than just classes. It's, it is classes, but then you have to come up with your own research. You have to come up with your own defense. You've got to figure everything out really from the ground up. And, and you can get advisement. And so, so that's the grit. That's the determination. Um, but also on the flip side of that, you have achieved so much without those letters behind your name. And so I think sometimes, I mean, we're, we're kind of talking to, I'm, I'm kind of talking to two different folks here. Um, one, it's not always about that title, whatever title you're pursuing. It's not always about doc, or it's not always about, executive director or assistant superintendent or superintendent, whatever. It's not about the title. It's about the work that you do. However, on the other side, there is accomplishment once you get there. And, and there is, there's grit, there is work ethic that, that takes it in. And, 
one of the things that my coach, when I was coaching with a guy named Steve Hale, and uh, I was with him for six years, traveled all the way up and down 35 with him. And he said, he said, listen, you know, always tell our kids, he said, when you're in my program, people are, people are probably going to question how good you look. They may even question how smart you are, but one thing that they will never question is your work ethic. Mm-hmm. Not, not around me. They'll never question your work ethic and they'll never question my work ethic. And, and, and I think to me that has become ingrained in me as one of the biggest compliments mm-hmm. that anybody could ever, ever give. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it's not, it's not based on merit. It's not based on status. It's based on truly grinding and, and doing work in, in your, in, in your case, doing work that matters. Yeah. And, and, and so kudos, kudos well, to you on that. I mean, I think well, that's a big deal. It, it was definitely, it was definitely, if not the hardest thing I, I'd ever done. Um, one of the hardest things. And, you know, when you're 57 and everybody else in your group, your cohort is half your age and, you know, technology is second nature and I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm dangerous, good enough to be dangerous in it. But, um, but you, you know, I, 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 it started with a challenge. I, my son and my son turned 30 the same year I turned uh, 60. So at 27, when he was 27, I was 57. I said, look, I'm going to get my doctorate and my, I've obviously fell short by a year. Uh, I'm going to get, I want to get, the goal is, is you get, uh, you become a licensed architect. See, he was, we're already working as an architect, but he, you get your license, which is like getting your bar degree, in a, you know, a law degree. You have to take six different tests and uh, you have to study, you know, at least two or three months per test. And, and it's, it's, you know, I said, so you get your, you get your license by the time you're 30 and I'll get my doctorate by the time I'm 60. Well, he got his license before he was 30 and I was still in the middle of my dissertation writing. I had two, two years of coursework and two and a half years in my dissertation. And, um, you know, things, some things happened. My dad passed away and I had to pause for a little bit. And, um, but you know, you talk about that grit, um, and that perseverance and, and discipline. I got that. that came from my dad. And I didn't always, I did not always have that. And my dad knew, he, my dad was alive when I started my doctorate program. Matter of fact, um, you know, he was, he was, he was right there with me all through my coursework. I think he, I'm trying to think the timing. I think he passed before I started my dissertation, but um, you know, obviously he wouldn't hear to see me graduate, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the discipline that had been instilled in me over the years, uh, with his, his guidance. And, and he, my dad was, my dad was brilliant. He was a salutatorian. He was a metallurgical engineer, university of Cincinnati. I was not, I mean, I told my, I told my, uh, I tell people all the time, there is a God because I was a principal at the Magnolia high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, God uses all of us, you know, and I'm pretty simple. I'm just, uh, um, you know, an overachiever. I'm just uh, persistent. And if you're passionate about what you do, you're going to make it, you know, you're going to make it happen. The only thing that got me through that dissertation was because I was writing about something that I was passionate about, you know, yeah. and it was a, all, and all my courses is all about, it was leadership. And I love leadership. You know, it's transformational leadership was my emphasis, a doctorate in education with, with the emphasis in transformational leadership. So, I mean, who doesn't love that if you're not, you know, if you're in leadership. So that, 
And, and that's true, especially if you're pursuing your doctorate. Matter of fact, I, so, so we started our, our last class, uh, whenever you're starting your dissertation, um, it, it, it's your last face-to-face class and then you're on your own. And I picked a topic that I thought was going to be easy, but I wasn't necessarily passionate about. It was actually, it was the teacher perception of, of the, essentially the T-test. Mm. So teacher evaluation. So what's perception of, of evaluation? Um, and what I thought was, hey, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be on my own. Mm. And I've got to be able to wrestle with something that, that when I'm by myself, I'm passionate about and I can push myself. I just didn't see myself wanting or, or very passionate about T-tests or teacher yeah. evaluation or walkthroughs or anything like that. And so I ended up choosing something called the, the social dominance orientation, which is essentially a, a, a an instrument to use uh, that, that that's used to kind of measure internal racial and cultural bias mm. and, uh, and, and try to connect that with K-12 education. And that that's what I was passionate about. Yeah. And so that, I mean, like you said, you've got to, you got to find something that, yeah, that, that you're passionate about. And, and on that note, we get passionate about talking and we are coming close to time. And so we absolutely have to continue this further, but through, here's what I feel like. I feel like our audience has, has a good understanding of who you are. Um, and I always ask this question. So even though we didn't get to expose your ministry experience, we're going to do that. Even though we didn't get to expose your 14 years as, as much as, as I would like um, at, at, at the Magnolia High School, people know you, you're successful and people know you know what you're talking about. And so people are going to want to listen to your answer here. How, Dr. Springer, in your opinion, do we bridge the gap between K-12 education and industry? And I'm even, for you, I'm even going to extend it. How do we bridge the gap between K-12 education and life? Mm. Mm. Well, we got to play more. I can tell you that. Yes. And then it play not in as in playfulness, but we've got to, uh, you know, we have to do some things that that uh, encourage, you know, um, creativity, investigation, you know, uh, engagement, um, you know, those those type of things that, uh, you know, empowerment. Um, You know, I was thinking about I heard a speaker, you know, before COVID. It seems like it was just yet, but it was over a year ago now, which is crazy when you were able to literally go to things. And it was a speaker at a luncheon and he was talking about this program, this nonprofit that helps students um, take their skills out of college and, and, um, you know, promote those, uh, make sure they're in the right, taking the right path, transitioning from college, in other words, to their professional. And I, and I went up to him afterwards and, I th- and it was very interesting. And I said to him, do you have anything like that for, you know, high school to college, you know, well, you know, know, and because obviously you are, you're already helping the kind of the cream of the crop in some ways, because they're already, they've already made it through just self somehow they've overcome a lot uh, to get a college degree you know, to put themselves in this position. So how do we get those kids even to that point, you know? So I would even say, let's back that up even, 
you know, we always, you know, we always have, you know, when you're in elementary, you always have, you know, you see it on TV and sitcoms and, you know, growing up the day that, you know, you invite your dad or somebody, you know, to come and talk about what they do, you know, you know, to the class, you know, to, and, and, um, and then, you know, and then maybe in high school we have career day or something like that. Um, and, but I, I, my, I guess my point is, is why do we wait till kids are in their final two years of college to hook them up with internships? Why yes. don't, why don't we start even job shadowing in elementary, you know, like the kids go to the veterinarian or they go to, you know, they go, you know, to the, the dairy farmer, they go to what, what the whatever, uh, cr- create more excitement earlier about the plethora of job. Like my son, I was so lucky. God knows that he only gives us what we can handle. And both my kids knew what they, especially my son, he knew that he was going to be an architect when he was like in sixth grade. And he never wavered. You know how sometimes people say, yeah, I want to do this and want to do that. And, you know, you change even in college. Like I changed my major even as a sophomore in college. But but some kids know and and then or some and then some kids think they know, you know, right. and then some kids don't have a clue. You know, so I always thought. What if what if every single kid in my school had, first of all, un, knew how to set goals understood the goal process, the goal setting process. And literally, if you walk down the hallway, they could tell you their top three goals, you know, two, two academic, one personal. And matter of fact, I did that with two of my two classes, every single class all the way through. And I sat down with every one of them outside the classroom, I would classroom to classroom, start their freshman year. And we would go through the goal setting process and I would keep their goals, make them a copy and remind them of their goals through their whole. And when they were seniors, I gave them their, their goal sheet. And right. um, which was really cool. I was able to do that through follow two classes when I finally had decided to do something like that. But that's, you know, anything that we can do to, gen, to for kids when they're in K through 12, to be thinking about beyond the present, not just, you know, I, I we don't want to, I'm not trying to fast forward kids and diminish their, their, their school years because those are some of the greatest years ever. But as far as starting to think about um, what's out there, I think we have to, we have to start, we have to start backing up at least in the middle school and then maybe even upper elementary, you know, to make it, to give these kids, um, uh, you know, opportunities to really have even on the job uh, experiences. And so, I don't know, I was just thinking about your question. I thought, well, maybe, you know, I don't know how, in some cases, how practical that is. And I know that that's your, that's kind of your world, but how mm-hmm. do you, how do you take your world even, you know, lower, you know, in a lower, lower grade to get them hooked, you know, earlier? Yeah. Uh, yeah and I, I, there's, there's extreme value in that because I mean, when you think about it, Many times kids, what they're exposed to that, you know, that, that kind of creates a passion. You don't know what you don't know. And right. if I'm exposed to something 
then I have the potential to be passionate about it. Yes. So I was passionate yes. about becoming a, a becoming a soldier because that's what my dad was, mm. right? I was exposed to that on a daily basis. And so that was just ingrained. And I thought I wanted to become, you know, I wanted to go into the, to the military. Mm. And then I started becoming exposed to other things. And then once I became exposed to other things, my passions mm-hmm. changed. And so I think I think I think you've hit the uh, hit the nail right on the head. Well, well, yeah, the combination of not only, you know, some kids see a profession, but you know, it, let's say you introduce it to them and through, you know, through a, some type of program at school, but then they go home and they don't they don't no one there is is prophesizing their success, you know, or, or promoting. So, so the combination of not only exposing them at school to these, these various potential one day occupations or careers that they can develop a passion in, then you at the same time help them uh, establish how the goals to get there and to remind them that they are worthy of that, of having that goal. So so you come back and you say, okay, so tell me a little Daryl, what did you, what'd you like? Oh man, I, I, man, I saw that aviation program and I want to grow up, man. I want to be a pilot. Okay. Then let's talk about how you do that. What are, what would be some goal? What would be some immediate goals? You know? uh, And I think there's a real connection between that and uh, it just being a pie in the sky thing that ends up, that ends up, just being a dream. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. And uh, with that, I'm going to call this episode 12 with Dr. Jeff Springer part one, because I see two or three more episodes because I feel like there's so much to it. And, and, and really, you know, we, we, we may need to, we need to, we may need to figure out some other time because, and, and just, specifically talk about sections of your, your life sections of, you know, I want to hear about the ministry. I want to hear about your, your, your concept of play. You kind of mentioned it earlier, but now let's, let's sit and flesh it out. Let's, let's flesh out your ministry. Let's, let's flesh out your, your passions, you know, for being able to pour into your former students' lives of, of officiating their wedding. That's, that's such a, that's such a neat, a neat uh, concept. So with that, um, we are going to end it for tonight or this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're listening, we are going to end it. But once again, Dr. Springer, thank you so much for joining. We appreciate your insight and everybody else. We hope you enjoyed everybody. We will talk to you soon. Be well and uh, see you later. Thank you for listening to my dad's podcast, Bridged.